So I want to introduce you guys to Andre DeFries. Did I say it right? Close enough. Right. <laughs> and um, Andre is from South Africa. Many of you guys have seen him on videos. You have seen him. You've heard me talk about him. You've seen the uh, picture that he painted uh, that was incredible. And God's given him that gift. And so I'm going to give him as much time as possible. And so he is going to bring God's word and challenge us today. Enjoy, brother. Good morning, everybody. Uh, what an honor to be here, uh, finally. Um, Pastor Mike, Laurie, thank you so much for your kindness and, and your love and the amazing work that you guys are doing through this, this, this congregation and this ministry. Um, thank you for that. I was supposed to be here uh, quite some time back. Uh, the first reason why I never came here was because of COVID. And then after that, I had to jump through all these hoops for my visa. And I can remember... I was in a moment where I was like, Lord, what's going on? Why am I struggling to get my visa to go to, to America and just to, to glorify you and to, to see what you're busy doing across the world? And uh, in that time of waiting, as the U.S. Embassy was making me jump through all these many hoops, the police brought a young girl to me, 13 years old. And they said, this girl is on a farm where... Things are not going well with her. And um, she's being misused and abused. You guys think that you could help her? And I went home to my wife and I said to her, Andriette, I said, do you think we can help this little girl? And my wife said to me, Andre, she said, we've got six children. Our boat is full. And my wife started crying. And I said to her, can you remember in 2012, before we started the ministry, when we were still dreaming about it, you sketched a picture. I said, remember in the top left corner, you had that little house and you wrote there, orphanage? I said, don't you think it's time? And she says, it's time. And that's how Grace Haven got started. And that little girl came into our care at that moment. And your congregation helped us build that place. And not only is she there, but there's another little girl there. And we've got another girl coming in uh, on the 15th of January. So God is doing wonderful things. And I was like, Lord, okay, I get it. I realize now why I never got my visa. Because you wanted to build Grace Haven. And then one of my, my sons that I'm mentoring, his father died. And I was able to be there for Marvin and walk him through that process. I was like, okay, Lord, this is all making more sense. And then my little boy, Nathan... He needed to have his appendix removed. And I was like, okay, God, your timing, not my timing. I get it. I get it. And you know, after Nathan's appendix was removed, I said to him, boy, I'm going home. You're 13 years old. You'll be fine in the hospital. Suck it up. And uh, <laughs> I was driving home on the dirt road, going to the farm, 7.30 at night. And I was like, Lord, thanks for being with Nathan. You're awesome. I get a message. Your visa's been approved. That's the God that we serve. Amen? Amen. Man, your, your nation is phenomenal. Everything that you guys do here is just bigger and better. I was in the Iron Bowl recently, and these jets came flying over, and I was like, whoa, look at that. We only have four in my country, and they don't work. I mean, you just do everything. I climbed into a Ford Mustang. It's my favorite car, and I've never touched one. Every second car, I see you as a Ford Mustang. And I climbed into one, and I was driving it, and the seats got warm. 
mean, do you realize how blessed you are? Uh, you guys just, just, just have it going for you. No, we don't have lions roaming the streets where I come from. Everybody wants to know that you have lions there roaming the streets? No, we don't. I have had a couple of encounters with crocodiles and a very interesting encounter with a rhino that almost killed me. But that's about it. That's about it. But a man who definitely had an encounter with a lion is a man by the name of David Livingston. And David Livingston, he left his home. He left his people. Because he had a burden on his heart to preach the gospel to the unreached. He heard the stories of the missionary Robert Moffat, who would speak of villages. He said he would see smoke yonder afar. And if there is smoke, there must be people. And that drove David Livingston to Africa. And in Africa, he was mauled by buffalo. He was mauled by a lion. A chief asked him to shoot a lion that was killing their cattle. And apparently David Livingston wasn't a very good shot. And the lion got hold of him. And from that first journey, his one arm he could no longer use going forward. Because the lion got hold of him. But what drove him to do that? What drove him to leave his home and leave his people and leave his nation and leave his culture? To go afar? Did he have an understanding of something that we don't get? What made him do that? And in Africa, not only did he preach the gospel, but he was pivotal in the ending of slavery across Africa. And he lost his wife in Africa because of malaria and some of his children too. But why did he do it? Folks, God, God is a missional God. God loves people. God loves the nations. God loves the unreached and he wants us to reach them. And if I go over to the call of Abraham, I want to read from Genesis 12 to you. And I want you to keep in your peripheral how God has blessed you as a nation. Now this, this has to do with Israel. But the mandate is binding on us as Christians today. And I want you to keep in the forefront how God has blessed you as a nation. How God has blessed you as a people. Let's read that together. Listen to this. The Lord said to Abraham, leave your country, your relatives and your father's home and go to a land that I'm going to show you. And I will give you many descendants and they will become a great nation. I will bless you and make your name famous. So that you will be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you and I will curse those that curse you. And through you I will bless all the nations. Isn't that phenomenal? You see at the Tower of Babel all the nations were scattered and God said to Abraham, he said, I'm going to reveal myself unto you. And even though you come from a pagan lineage, you will serve me. And from you will come a mighty nation. And I'm going to use this nation of Israel to reach the unreached nations that have been scattered across the planet. And you know, God even placed them so strategically. If you wanted to travel from North Africa to Asia, Asia to Europe, Europe to Africa, you would go through God's people. And what would you see there? You would see a nation worshiping the one true God 
opposed to the pagan nations that were sacrificing their children to Baal. God is a missional God. God is on a mission, and he invites us to partake in that mission. And that mandate that was given to Israel has been given to us now. Church, we are plan A. And like David Platt says, there is no plan B. Can I tell you something? That doesn't scare me. It makes me excited. It makes me feel honored that God wants us to be a part of something so wonderful. But we can go through the Bible and we can look at the story of David and Goliath. Who would have thought that there's missions right there? Listen to this. This very day the Lord will put you in my power. This is David speaking to Goliath. He says, I will defeat you and cut off your head and I will give the bodies of the Philistine soldiers and to the birds and the animals to eat. And then the whole world will know that Israel has a God that's missions right there. Who would have thought? We can go on. We can go to the Psalms. And I'm just using a couple of extracts from God's word. But we go to the Psalms, all nations will remember the Lord. From every part of the world, they will turn to him. All races will worship him. Or how about the prophets? Hosea 2.23, And I will say to them which were not my people, Thou art my people. And they shall say, thou art my God. Isn't that amazing? Or Malachi. For from the rising of the sun, even unto the going down of the same, my name shall be great amongst the nations. Folks, God has always been on a mission. You know, before I come to America, or came to America, and before I go on missions, I always say the most important things to my wife. I'll say to her, baby, lock the doors. (laughs) That's the first thing I'll say. We live on a farm. I'll say to her, I love you. If anything happens to me, there's a file in my office, just follow the steps in that file. I take my kids and I embrace my children. I hold them tight and I say, I love you. And I've got six. It takes me some time. But you know, Jesus pretty much did the same before his ascension. Jesus draws his disciples together and he's like, guys, go make disciples of all nations. Matthew 28, 19. Go make disciples of all nations. You know what a disciple is? A disciple is a learner and follower of Jesus Christ. That's what a disciple is. We are all disciples. He says, go make disciples of all nations. Or in Mark, go preach the gospel to every creature. Or Luke 24, 47, that the forgiveness of sins and the remission of sins will be preached unto all Nations, And that word nations means ethnic people group. It means tribes. Jesus is saying the most important things before he leaves. Oh, in John, listen to this, this blows my mind. In John he says, as the Father has sent me, so too I send you. And my favorite is Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8. 
where he says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Guys, that actually means my martyrs. You will be my witnesses in both Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I'm watching these videos this morning and I'm thinking, oh my soul, you guys are, you're doing it, man. You're busy with it. You guys are a well-oiled machine like we say in South Africa. God is using you in a glorious way. And it is an honor and a privilege to be a part of God's mission, don't you think? Amen? Amen. Amen. I grew up in a nominal Christian home. That's my parents, wonderful parents. Took us to church every Sunday. But I never went to church for Jesus. I went to church to look at the girls. I'm sorry. Uh, my bad. But that's why I went to church. And I was asked to leave school at the age of 15 because I was so naughty. And in university, I ended up using drugs. And I ended up becoming a varsity dropout. Drinking to a point of blacking out was nothing strange for me. However, I can remember one day walking home from university before I dropped out, and I was preaching to the trees. I was still hungover from the night before, and I was preaching. I was making and acting as if I was a pastor. And I even said to myself, you could be a pastor. I can remember going to my mom. She was the secretary of the Anglican bishop in my hometown. And I said to my mom, I said, Mommy, please bring me the forms from the church. I want to become a priest. And I did that three times, three different times. I said to my mom, Mommy, bring me the forms. I want to become a priest. You see, God was after me, and I was running from him. I was always choosing my flesh over obedience. And at the age of 26, I committed my life to Jesus. I was sitting in a church, and I'd had enough. I'd had enough of the drunken life. I'd had enough of the late nights. I wanted a a wife. I wanted children. I wanted a white picket fence like some of you have. I just wanted to be happy. And I knew that I could only get that through God. And I knew it was time. It was time to commit my life to Him. It was time to to lay my pride down and put my ego aside and, and submit to God. I was sitting in in a church holding my girlfriend's hand. I'd broken up with another girl. Her name was Andriette. And for the first time in my life, I heard God speak to me. It wasn't an audible voice. It was an overwhelming reassurance of this is not the woman you're going to marry. You're going to marry Andriette. And we left that church. I went to my sister's house and I said to Elise, I said, I think God is telling me to break up with you and marry Andriette. That didn't go down too well. (laughs) And I phoned Andriette and I said, I'm going to marry you. God says I'm going to marry you. She thought I was crazy. I went to her dad and I asked asked for his daughter's hand in marriage. And he said yes. And I told her, "I've I've already asked your dad. She was on holiday. We've been married 16 years today. 16 years. Sorry, not today, but this year. That's what I meant to say. And you know, 
The doctor said to Andriette, you will never be able to have children. Your endometriosis is so bad, you cannot have children. The second time I heard God speaking to me was driving in a car. And she was complaining that she wasn't feeling well. And I looked at her and I said, Andriette, I have this conviction that you're pregnant with a little boy. And we have to name him Matthew. And Matthew is 15 years old today. That's the God that we serve. Hey? And then we knew it was missions, and the Lord called us to missions and discipleship. And we sold our house, we gave our cars back to the bank, and we started with nothing. We started in tents next to a river with our ministry. My wife and I bathed in the river. We brushed our teeth in the river. The lightning in a place called Gonggong bounces off the rocks around us. I was like, Lord, please, just not like this. It's not how I want to go. And then we got this big building given to us that we could use And then a man came to us, my brother-in-law, and said, I want to give you a farm. 250 acres handed to us. And then the Lord started sending people, people I've never met in my life before, sending bricks, sand, cement, windows, doors, and today we have a built mission base that can host up to 60 people. Our house was built All the staff quarters, the chapel, the kitchens, everything. And I had no degree in theology when God did that. Isn't that amazing? I only got my degree four years ago. So who gets the glory? God gets the glory. He gets the glory. Folks, I'm a walking testimony. Of what God can do with someone who is absolutely dead in his sins. You know, that discipleship school is producing people every year who serve Jesus. And we take in the ones that no one else wants to take in. And can I tell you something? You guys as a church, you help us do that every month. And I want to say thank you. Thank you for supporting us. Uncle Mike, thank you. You guys are a blessing to us. And everything that happens there, you have share in. So thank you and bless you guys for that. I want to start winding down and, and wrapping it up. God, God has always been on a mission. And you might not be called to become a missionary. But all of us have been called to be a part of his mission. And a missionary is like a a person going over the cliff tied to rope. That's the one that's going. And then we've got those who are holding the rope. And they're the senders. They're the ones who are praying. They're the ones who are interceding. They are the ones who are going to, to, to visit and to, and to support and encourage. And they're the ones who are giving financially so that that work can be done. So you're either a goer or you're a sender or you're disobedient. But it's phenomenal to consider the fact that if, if you're a goer, praise God for that. But if you're a sender, show me the blood on your hands from holding that rope. Show me the sacrifice. 
that you're making. You know, many people want to work for Apple or want to work for Google. or Folks, don't invest in the now and that which is only temporary. God has called us for an eternal purpose. And I honestly believe as an outsider that God has given your nation, America, a glorious and wonderful privilege to take his name across the earth. And if you don't know this, the gospel doesn't actually come from America. It comes from the Middle East. Just by the way. So in Acts 1.8, I mean Jesus is speaking about literal Jerusalem. And then literal Judea, geographically. And then Samaria. And the ends of the earth. Guys, you're the ends of the earth. The gospel came to you because people were obedient to God's word. Because people sacrificed. Because people died. That's how you got the gospel. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? There is no greater privilege than to love God and love people. I'll close with the following story. When I was still in the world, I was a wedding photographer. And I always ended up being at weddings with this one pastor. And he would tell the same story over and over. I went home to Andriette and I said to her one day, I said to her, hey, you know, I could, I could tell that story. I could be a pastor. I'm going to tell you that story today. There was this old man and he was walking through the streets of a town in Europe. And he saw this cathedral. And he walked into this cathedral and he saw this organ in the front of the cathedral. And as he was about to take his seat, the caretaker came running to him and said, Sir, 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 what do you think you're doing? And he said, oh, forgive me. I'm an old man. I, I know how to play the organ. Please grant me this opportunity to play this organ. And after a long discussion, the caretaker said, okay, I'll stand here and you can play. And the old man started to play this organ. And he was doing his thing. He was pushing those pedals and he was pulling and he was just doing what an organ player does. And I don't know what that is. But he was bringing sounds out of the organ like no one had ever brought out before. And people were peering in from the back door. People were coming in and sitting down because they've never heard something like this. And he was building it up to this, to this huge, huge, beautiful crescendo. And then, whew, silence. And the caretaker looked at him. And he said, sir, who are you that you can play this organ like that? And he said, you see this name on the organ, Mendelssohn? I am Mr. Mendelssohn and I've built this organ. Folks, you want to see the best come out of you? You want to see the best come out of your marriage? Let the one who made you bring it out of you. Let him draw it out of you. And let him show you what he can do with you. 
Let him show you what he can do with your marriage. Let him show you what he can do through your family. And let him continue showing you what he can do through your congregation. Can I pray for you? Is that okay? Let's close our eyes. This might be your first time here today. You might be like me when I was younger, running away from God. Today's the day. Today's the day of salvation. It's time to stop running. It's time to say, here I am. Father, I submit. Father, I commit to you. Because of what you did for me on the cross. You sent your son Jesus Christ to die for my sins. You showed mercy on me. I'm finished. I'm finished and I want to, I want to change my life. And if that's you, just pray with me. Just say, Father, forgive me my sins. Father, wash me clean. Thank you that Jesus died for my sins. Make me born again. And you might be sitting there and you've been in ministry. You've committed your life to Jesus. But you need a fresh breath of the Holy Spirit. You need your life to be revitalized. You need your marriage to be revitalized. Then just ask God now to do it. Change me. May your Holy Spirit breathe a fresh breath into me. Father God, I pray that you will bless everybody who's making these commitments. You see the cry of their heart. And I praise you for this church and the way that you are using it. Not only locally, but across the globe. Father, I pray that you will continue to add unto them and continue to grow them and continue to bless them in the name of Jesus Christ. So that your name may be made great amongst the nations. So that your name may be glorified. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, feel free to come up and just, just let us pray for you. And I thank you for the opportunity to be here. May the Lord bless you. Amen.